Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Melanie C., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, December 22nd, 2015. And today we are reading from the Big Book, and we are on page 14, the last paragraph, paragraph 6. Today's readers are the 12 Steps, Judy E., I'm sorry, Jody E., the 12 Traditions, Diane G., Reading the text today, Martha Z, Nicole S, and Chelsea H. The reference number for yesterday, Monday, December 21st, 2015, is 8286. 8286. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors, and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence, and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Jody E. to read the 12 steps. Thank you, Melanie. Good morning. This is Jody E., a grateful, recovered bulimic in California. Here are the steps we took which are suggested as a program of recovery. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. 
Thank you, Jody E. I will now ask Diane G. to read the 12 traditions. Good morning, everyone. This is Diane G. from New Hampshire, Recovered Not Cured Compulsive Reader. The 12 traditions. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon our unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups. OA has a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse finance or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And twelve, anonymity is a spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, Melanie, and I pass. Thank you, Diane G. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. And today we resume our study of the big book on page 14, the last paragraph, which is paragraph 6, that starts with my friend had emphasized. And I will ask Martha Z to begin our study this morning. Good morning, Melanie. Can you hear me? I can. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for your service. Uh, this is Martha Z. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater by the grace of God, from near Philadelphia. My friend had emphasized the absolute necessity of demonstrating these principles in all my affairs. Particularly was it imperative to work with others, as he had worked with me. Faith without works was dead, he said, and how appallingly true for the alcoholic. For if an 
alcoholic failed to perfect and enlarge his spiritual life through work and self-sacrifice for others. He could not survive the certain trials and low spots ahead. If he did not work, he would surely drink again, and if he drank, he would surely die. Then faith would be dead indeed. With us, it is just like that. Good morning, my friends in recovery. Um, so in the beginning, it says, um, my friend, Ebby, had emphasized the absolute necessity of demonstrating these principles in all my affairs. It says, it was imperative, and I have required necessary essential to work with others. And the next part, faith without works was dead. I have in my margin Ann Smith's favorite quote. So it's Dr. Bob's wife's favorite quote, faith without works is dead. And so there's all these warnings. If an alcoholic failed to perfect and enlarge his spiritual life through work and self-sacrifice, if he did not work, if he drank, he would die. And um, here's again, they're talking about um, enlarging your spiritual life. And it says, through work and self-sacrifice for others. I I always joke that if I would have known how much work it was going to be <laughs> with this recovery thing, I probably would have turned and run the other way. And it's such a beautiful thing because we just have to do you know, what's right in front of us. And it's, it's, um, it is it, it is it is work, but it is so worth it. And um, self-sacrifice, boy, I, you know, I was always thinking about myself. I was not thinking about helping others. And, and um, recovery does require a lot of sacrifice and really thinking about others and what they need and not what I want or need, but maybe what they need. And it says, um, if he drank, he would surely die. And somebody the other day was talking about how they um, – would rather die than go back to their addiction. And I thought, yeah, I, I completely feel like that. But the part that really jumped out at me was he could not survive the certain trials and low spots ahead. And um, I really wanted that if I was doing what I thought God's will was for me, nothing bad would ever happen. And in a period of 10 years, four people in my family got cancer and two of them died. And the most astounding thing was never in that time did it come in for food to be an option to solve that. And the beautiful thing is because food was not an option, I was able to stay connected to God, my higher power, and and he helped me through it. And, and with his help and, and definitely the help of the people in the fellowship, how they lifted me up and prayed for me, I could feel their prayers. Um, I was able to do that. So I, I really know that there's really nothing that I can't get through without his help. As long as I stay abstinent, I can stay connected. So anyway, thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Martha C. Who would like to comment on this paragraph? Tina G. W. Larry. G. from Boston. Rachel W. Lynn S. This is Bella. Okay. Can I share? Hang on just one second. I do have several of you here, and I want to make sure that I have these folks. I have Kim G. Then I um, heard Larry K. Somebody in between there I didn't catch. Katie, Katie Tina G, S. Rachel. Tina S. Okay, great. Thank you, Tina. Katie G., Rachel W., Lynn S., and Bella G. Anybody else? Melissa Katie R. G from Boston. Hi, Melissa. I think I got you, Katie G. from Boston. Oh, okay. Sorry, I didn't hear. Thanks. Sorry. No, no problem. And Vasa O., 
Nessa R. Hi, Nessa. That's who I missed there. Nessa R. Okay, let's go with that. That's quite a nice line. Um, Kim G, Tina S, Larry K, Katie G, Rachel W, Lynn S, Bella G, Melissa C, Vasa O, and Nessa R. Good morning, Kim. Good morning, Melanie. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. For if an alcoholic failed to perfect and enlarge his spiritual life through work and self-sacrifice for others, he could not survive the certain trials and low spots ahead. You know, I don't know about you, but I had this delusion, you know, once I got the goal weight that I would open the door one morning and that Brad Pitt would open, just be waiting for me, you know. Um, it's the idea that I had arrived. You know, I was delusional also that once I recovered, that everything was just going to go my way. And he's saying there's certain trials and low spots. Me getting recovered does not mean life is not going to happen. So that was something I had to understand. It wasn't about the idea that, like I said, like, you know, I was going to get to a certain point and everyone was just going to do what I wanted them to do. But I want to talk more about this idea to perfect and enlarge our spiritual life. Because I hear that, heard that all the time in meetings. That's what I have to do. And I think the contemporary idea for that was I need to have to meditate for an hour. I have to go in a room and chant. I have to do all these different rituals that were solitary. And what this book is telling me is the sentences to perfect and enlarge my spiritual life through work and self-sacrifice for others. So what does that mean? What is the work? The work is the step work. I've never done my step work. You know, and I like to have this very simple formula for myself. I have to live in 10, 11, and 12, and we hear that all the time, but what does that mean? You know, step 10 is my daily contact with recovered people because as disturbances come up, I'm taking the inventory of four through nine to get undisturbed because I know the consequences. If I get disturbed, I'm restless, irritable, discontent, and I am I'm going to want to eat. And step 11 is my daily contact with my higher power. And there's three parts to step 11. There's a morning routine, an evening routine, and pausing throughout the day. So I have to ask myself, am I continuing that routine? And step 12 is my daily contact with recover with, with the still suffering. And for me, that means am I intensively working with others? Am I only having sponsees that are through the steps? <clears throat> am I in all parts of the book? When is the last time I took a fifth step? You know, I remember an AA person saying to me that she didn't feel like a member of Alcoholics Anonymous until she took 25 fifth steps. And I thought she was crazy. I have to tell you, for someone who's probably taken well over 50, 50 fifth steps, Absolutely, that's true. That's when I feel a part of the fellowship is when I'm working that. And the last part of step 12 is, am I doing this in all my affairs? You know, am I just being nice to you people because we have this common problem? Or am I working this program in my family, in my job, in any person I come in contact with? And am I sacrificing my time for the people in a way? And am I sacrificing my time for the people outside of a way? So that is how I personally and a book tells me to enlarge my spiritual life through work, the steps, and self-sacrifice for others. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. Tina S. Tina S. Uh, thanks, Melanie. Tina S. Compulsive eater, anorexic uh, from Florida. Oh, great reading. Fabulous, fabulous. Uh, and you know, my friend emphasized it was the necessity of demonstrating 
um, these principles in all my affairs necessity indispensable demonstrating to show the truth the principles the 12 steps in all my affairs what an order you know uh, God and I get the chills when I when I talk and you know in meetings sometimes people say Tina you always say that you always say you get the chills well the truth of the matter is you know I have been um, reborn today you know and and I don't mean in a, in a religious sense but you know these 12 steps have certainly transformed me and uh, you know I like what it talks about it's imperative to work with others well that's not why I, I came here and you know and until I had worked the 12 steps and had a spiritual awakening I was not interested in working with others and that's just the truth and I have to say that you know I've been here you know um, for a while and, and you know and I and I continue to come here because I like what I'm getting and I continue to say that because it's the truth and how I do that and how that comes about for me is to work with others. Because if I do not freely give this away as as it was freely given to me, I certainly will not keep it. And you know, uh you know, I alcoholic death, you know, and, and that for me probably is not physically dying, but being spiritually dead. Been there, done that, and today I like what I'm getting from coming here. And you know, I have to say again, this is a fabulous meeting. I've been to many, many, and this is fabulous. And I'll continue to come here. And I thank you all for your service. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Tina S. Larry K. Good morning, Melanie. Larry K. Recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. Thanks for your service. Um, yeah, the uh, you know, faith without works uh, was dead, and and we had to. If we failed to perfect and enlarge our spiritual life through work and self-sacrifice for others, we're not going to be able to survive those 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 trials and those low spots. You know, I, I heard it said one time, and I repeat it a lot now, um, as much for my benefit as for anyone else's, believe me, is that, you know, calamity is either on its way or it's in our lives right now. You know, and, and that, that may come across as a somewhat pessimistic statement. It's like, holy moly, you know, I mean, really? You know, where's the hope in that message? Well, the hope is in the transcendence of those things, you know. Um, the, the, uh, the, these steps have given me transcendence uh, because I've changed. The God of my understanding changed me. And, you know, um, you know, Dr. Bob also had a similar experience. You know, in his story, he stated that he did, he did not get over his craving for alcohol much during the first two and a half years of abstinence. He said it was almost always with him. You know, and, and I mean, you talk about trials and low spots. I mean, uh, that guy certainly faced that, and yet he went on to help, uh, you know, several thousand people through these steps. The guy never took a drink again. I, I suppose after two and a half years, the, the, the cravings left him. Some of us, it leaves us, you know, right away after having done the work, you know. But, uh, you know, there's no magic to this, to this program for me. I took the steps. I trusted in the process. I took the steps, and something happened to me. Something that pills couldn't do for me, that therapy couldn't do for me, that you could do for me. No human power could have relieved my suffering. But God could and would if he were sought. And that's just flat out what happened to me. I don't debate it with anyone. I'm not trying to convince anyone of it. It just happened for me. So, you know, now I carry the message. I carry the message. Every morning I flap my gums. And I'm, I'm sure there's lots of people online. I'm sure there's some that roll their eyes. But that's okay. You know, I, I didn't come to this program 
to get popular in Overeaters Anonymous, I can assure you. <laughs> you know, I mean, really, if you think about that, is that my goal? Is it pride and ego that I talk? No, I, for me, I don't speak for anyone else, but for me, I talk every morning because I carry the message, and I do that in face-to-face meetings too, to the best of my ability because God has done for me what I couldn't do for myself. And if I want to survive the trial and low spots ahead, I carry the message. I'm not obsessed about it. I have peace in the midst of carrying the message, but I do it because it's an honor and it's a privilege. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. Katie G? Melanie, sorry. Can you hear me? I can. Good morning, Katie. Awesome. Good morning. Let me just make sure I get my timer going. Katie G, compulsive reader, anorexic bulimic from Boston, Massachusetts, and um, unlike Larry, I actually <laughs> tried to be the most popular person in Overeaters Anonymous. And actually on this line for a very long time, um, I really um, was not living in 10, 11, and 12. And I'm a good message for like talking a lot and not practicing the principles in all my affairs. It was like I worked the steps. But I stopped applying them. Like, if you were in grad school, then you would really be rubbing those edges of program two, and you would be cutting corners around your quiet time or your meetings too because I was important now, right? Like, God gave me these gifts of going back to school and um, having a career and doing things that I never imagined possible. And I let the gifts of program take the gift of program away um, being swept away in exercise addiction, being swept away ultimately with behaviors that um, led me to believe that eating was going to be a step up from, from what, I, what I was feeling. And um, I've started to make amends um, with my step work. And um, I had a complete spiritual awakening yesterday um, practicing these principles. I looked somebody in the eye who I seized with, agitation because of what she represents for years and able was able to look her in the eye and um uh you know make an amend and, and express you know my sincere um disregard of her and my and my regret for treating her that way and um you know today perfecting and enlarging on my spiritual life means whenever i am disturbed whether it be the number on the scale or something not going my way, you know, last evening my boyfriend said something and I snapped and he said to me, wow, you snapped and I need to amend right away. I need to say, you know what, you're right. He may not have to, but if I don't, eating again is going to be a step up from how I feel about myself. And um, I would be lying to say I don't have food thoughts, but what I've been taught is that I am not responsible for that food thought, that first food thought. What I am responsible for is my actions. And today, like, I press into God, right? Like, I have that feeling and I pause. I pause and that is amazing. And um, I think for a long time, I just believed that if I could just, you know, get through the steps, work the steps, that I would be okay. But today what I'm learning is I have to apply the steps each and every day. When I am disturbed, it is about me. What step do I need to apply? And um, just sincere gratitude that um, I am living on borrowed time today and, um and I, my death has been interrupted yet again. And with that, I do pass. Thank you, Katie G. Rachel W. Good morning, Melanie. This is Rachel W., Recover Compulsive Overeater calling from New York. 
um, you know, I'm just, as I'm reading this, I'm considering, you know, how do I know that I'm failing to perfect and enlarge my spiritual base? You know, it's very easy to know, um, they say the food is the last to go. You know, when I'm, when I'm in the food and I start, you know, slipping and, and getting into relapse, we say it's, we really only relate it to the food, you know, but, but how do I know that I'm not enlarging my spiritual base? Because as we see right here, this is the, this is the first step, you know, the food is the last to go. So um, in this program, thank God, there's this system of checks and balances um, to check in with my emotions um, to see, to really, you know, see what I'm feeling and, and, um, and to sort of observe and to research it. And, um, you know, I, 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 was, there's a, I was a lecturer recently who um, he was saying that a lobster, you know, grows a really hard shell around its soft, fleshy, body. And when it, the shell gets too small for that body, it retreats into a, um, a dark area away from predators. And it actually um, has to grow a new shell, you know, before it can come out. And for me in this program coming in, I thought it was all about losing weight. But really, what I've discovered is it's all about how do I deal with the agitations of my soul that are really not there to, um, to harm me or to make me uncomfortable, but rather it's like it's alerting me that my, my soul needs to grow. You know, just like our bodies are changing, our, our souls are evolving. And when my, you know, when, I, when I'm, 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 the universe is calling upon me to learn something new or to face my fear or to do something, you know, to, to, to actually address a feeling, it's something I can now lean into and, and try to process to see, you know, what's, what's going on with it. And that's, that's what I get from this program is... Um, is this daily enlarging, and it ha I mean, I almost feel it on a physical level, you know, that, that, that this is something about, you know, increasing my, my conscious contact with God and, and doing that by, you know, um, leading into these agitations. It's kind of like a roller coaster. You know, you could go on it with screaming with your, you know, in, in fear, or you could just lean into it and kind of say, okay, I'm here for the ride. Let me put my hands up and just enjoy this ride. And, um, and I can do that, thank God, um, with my higher powers help and, um, and, of course, with the fellowship and all of you wonderful, amazing people who have walked this path before me. And I know I'm in such good hands, and I know that this is the core for me to just keep enlarging the spiritual base and then doing that in service of other people, um, getting out of myself. It, it just makes sense that, the, 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 you know, that where this all leads to is service to others because it's all about getting out of myself and Thank God this program is such a gift, and thank you for allowing me to share, and I pass. Thank you, Rachel W. Lynn S. Good morning. This is Lynn S. from Toronto, Canada. It just amazes me when Bill is talking, you know, about the hopeless alcoholic, and then there's a solution. But he, there's absolute necessity of demonstrating these principles. It's imperative to work with others. If we don't enlarge our spiritual life through work and self-sacrifice, we're not going to survive. If we don't work, we're going to drink, and to drink is to die. And with us, it is just like that. Really, That really resonated with me today as I was thinking back in my life in OA. And uh, it's been 25, 26 years, something like that. And I, I noticed how this enlargement of my spiritual life, I would distract myself. I distracted myself with a meditation course. 
or going to church, something I'd never done before, or getting involved in studying the Bible or all these other things. And those are great things, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with them, but it's secondary to doing the work that saves my life. And I can remember sitting down at the dining room table and reading the big book and and something would, would stir within me, and I'd get up and get distracted and grab another book and go do that. And it, it, it's just amazing when I read this now and I think back and I realize exactly what, what I was doing. And no wonder, no wonder I struggled with an eight-year relapse. No wonder I was working as hard as I could, but I couldn't get out of it because I didn't see, I couldn't see clearly what I was doing and just the other thing that I wanted to when mention when it talks about self-sacrifice for others, we hear so often, I don't want to be a doormat. I don't want to be a doormat. But the self-sacrifice for others that the big book talks about, when we connect with the power inside us, our higher power with God, it is God-centered and God-directed. And when we're doing the work with others that way, when we're practicing self-sacrifice for others, there is no doormat feeling. It brings us joy and peace and serenity. I feel so blessed to be part of this meeting and to be in recovery. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Lynn S. Bella G. Thank you. Good morning. My name is Bella G. And I'm a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Melanie, for doing this service. And thank you very much, everybody on the line. He could not survive the certain trials and lost paths I had. Wow, yes, I, I went through this in the beginning of my being in the program. I thought, oh, now I am doing the steps and I am changing. My life would, will be just wonderful. Now I will not have any more, any challenge in my life. And as I, you know, my life went through, and yes, I continue, thank you, God, doing the steps. You know, I got to understand that, yes, I am human, and I am not perfect. I will not be perfect. And yes, you know, I don't know all the time everything. And yes, thank you, God. In my life, I have challenges. Some of them are very hard for me. Some of them are very painful for me. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Today, I am not running to the food. Today, the food is not, is not a solution for me. By leaving the steps, I am building my relationship with God. I am building my relationship with myself. I learned by, by doing the steps, by living in the steps, I learned to accept myself. And thank you, God. Now when, you know, I am going through those challenges, I learned to to pose, to pose and not to look for, for my power, not to look for my people-pleasing, not to look to my ego, ego, and just to pose and to say, Bella, where is now God into your life? How how is your relationship with God? How, and and thank you, God. Every challenge just helped me to 
to strengthen my relationship with God. And today I know the solution is not the food. I am not looking for the food to solve my challenges. Thank you for letting me share and I pass. Thank you, Bella G. Melissa C. Hi, good morning. It's Melissa C., a recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And, um, you know, yeah, we could not, I could not survive um, the rough spots in life, um, you know, without staying exactly focused on what has brought me to recovery. And, you know, I, I used to, um, I used to have a fantasy, you know, I, I lived in an imaginary world and, you know, in this imaginary world, I was going to be thin someday and life would be perfect. You know, someone had said that earlier on the line and I really believe that in my heart of hearts, I just can't imagine that there would be a problem if I were thin. And, and that's kind of when I thought that weight was my only problem. And, you know, the beauty of this program was I discovered that weight was just a symptom of my problems and that um, problems are a part of life. You know, um, getting recovered doesn't mean that we're living heaven here on earth, but it does mean that I'm at least released from hell. I don't have to live in hell. I have to live, you know, in life um, and I have a chance. And, you know, um, early on in program, I kind of um, thought, okay, this is all going to be about self-care. I'm going to learn how to take care of myself. I thought then that I was full of self-sacrifice. I was the biggest martyr in the world. I did lots of things that I didn't want to do for lots of people, and I kept a, a running count, you know. I had that list in my pocket of all the things that I was doing for everybody else. And, you know, and so early on in my recovery, when I was told your abstinence first, your recovery your program first, um, that was true initially, and yet the great evolution was that grew into a God-centered system but not a self-centered. And so I learned that my um, people-pleasing and my martyrdom, that was, that was really all about me and not so much about them. And now living in the 12th step, you know, giving away this program that was so lovingly given to me, is the joy of my life, and it's done without a list. You know, I, I'm not keeping lists of who I'm speaking to and who I'm helping. This is the only way that I can live. Without this, I will surely die. Thank you. With that, I Thank you, Melissa C. Vasa O. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Melanie, for your service. And I'm grateful, Recovered Compulsive Obita, calling from um, Florida. And I love this paragraph. Works without um, faith without works was dead. He said, and and I was dying myself when I came to to the program, and I really took this program very seriously. And uh, again, I did surrender. I did step three and um, one, two, and three at the same time. And if I did not do that, I I was on the way dying anyways. So um, it says, uh, if we didn't enlarge on our spiritual life, um, he, if he did not work, he would surely drink again, and if he drank, he wouldn't surely die. Then faith would be dead indeed, 
with us, it is just like that. And I was really, really afraid, you know. I, I really had a fear of dying. If I continued going the way I was going, the food, you know, and with in other areas of my life, physically, emotionally, spiritually, I was gradually dying. No, I wasn't dead in the ground, but, you know, I felt like I was dying. And I did sacrifice myself a lot for my family and for others. I always put last, put myself last. And uh, it was more about the people pleasing and looking for the love and looking for attention. So it, I did not understand, you know, in those those years, it was I, 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 me, what I wanted from people, you know. And uh, so to me, enlarging my spiritual uh, life is staying in step three and uh, 11 and working the steps the way they're, they're laid out. And uh, I'm just so grateful to be with everyone here and to be, you know, I'm listening and I'm hearing so much and learning and growing as I go along again. Keep going, keep going. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa O. Nessa R.? Hi, did you call on Nessa R? I did. Hi, good morning. Hi, good morning. Sorry, I wasn't muting, so I wasn't sure. Um, this um, um, sentence, faith without works is dead, is uh, repeated um, verbatim once more in the big book at the end of um, chapter 6 into action where it says, um, at the very, very end of the chapter, it says, there is action and more action. Faith without works is dead. The next chapter is entirely devoted to step 12. And in the next chapter, step 12, it really only talks about one part of step 12, which is working with others. And um, at the very beginning of the chapter, it tells us why we need to work with others, because it says practical experience shows that nothing will so much ensure immunity from drinking as intensive work with other alcoholics. Um, and in the story of Jim, um, it talks about um, how he failed to enlarge his spiritual life. And, of course, he went back into the drink. Um, he failed to uh, to work with others. And, you know, this, this was not my, my own personal experience. As soon as, as soon as I was recovered, my sponsor said, find sponsees, and I did. Um, but I've seen others, uh, friends in program, who have been reluctant um, to work with others um, in a sponsor-sponsee capacity. And, you know, invariably they have gone into the food. And the reasons why they have, um, they have uh, um, been reluctant to work with others were, you know, well, I'm nervous. What if I don't know what to do? What if I do the wrong thing? And, you know, and all these things are just ego. Um, it's, 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 just, um, it's just total, total ego and, and pride because, you know, whether other people recover or, or not, it's really not up to me. If they're going to recover, it's not because of me. And if they're not going to recover, it's also not because of me. All I need to do is to try to carry this message to, to, to others. Um, the recovery is in their hands, and more importantly, 
um, in the hands of their higher power. Um, so I, I would say, you know, if you're at the stage where you can start sponsoring, don't hold back. When, when I first started, I too had the same reservations. I too was nervous. What if I don't know what to do? What if I don't know what to say? What if I say the wrong thing? And so, you know, I, I started, I, I did two things. First of all, I started working with people whom I thought were less far along than I was. So newly recovered, I didn't take on somebody who had five years of recovery or somebody who knew the big book inside and out uh, but had gone out on a relapse. I started working with newcomers. And another thing that I did was um, using my sponsor, you know, and I still do. I mean, like four years into my recovery, I still call my sponsor. Actually, most of the calls to my sponsor are about sponsoring questions. I mean, sponsors are a great resource. Other people, I also call other people and ask, you know, how would you deal with this situation or that situation? So we're not alone in our sponsoring any more than we are alone in any of their uh, other um, working the other parts of the program, we have to take advantage of our sponsors and, and the people, the people in the meetings, the people, the people in the law, on the lines. Um, but you know, ultimately, we just gotta do it because if we don't do it, uh, we're gonna go back to the food, and um, going back to the food is to die. And I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen many, many times. I don't have. I want it to happen to me. I don't want it to happen to anybody on this line. So I encourage. Anybody at that stage to please go and find sponsees. There's so many people out there suffering. Um, They don't need to be. And uh, with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nessa R. Who else would like to share on this paragraph? Chelsea H. Paragraph 6. Hi, Chelsea. Amy Amy E. Renata. Hi, Amy E. Renata. Leah. Hi, Leah. Anybody else? We have probably time to... Hi, Go this ahead. Is Karen. This is Karen L. Karen L. Anyone else? We might be able to take one or two more. Jody E. Paula Jody, Jody. and Paula D. Let's go with that. I heard of Susie, Sue D. But Sue, we might not get to you, but I'll put you on the list. Thank you so much. Okay. All right, so I have Chelsea H. Amy E. Renata G. Leah M. Karen L. Jody E. Paula D. And possibly Sue G. So good morning, Chelsea H. Good morning, Melanie. Thanks for your consistent service. I'm Chelsea H. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater just for today. And I want to focus in on the first half of the uh, warning down here at the bottom of the page for if an alcoholic failed to perfect his spiritual life through work and self-sacrifice for others. He could not survive those certain trials and low spots ahead um, for me, this idea of perfecting, of honing, of te- uh, practicing my technique, how am I carrying this message? Am I carrying the messages in the big book? And it says that here that my friend emphasized the absolute necessity of demonstrating the principles. How am I demonstrating that? What am I doing as far as my own recovery? Yes, I need to work with others, is telling me. That also will enlarge my spiritual life. But it says perfect and enlarge. So for me, it's telling me that I need to do just what Ebby did with Bill. It says, particularly was it imperative to work with others as he had worked with me. How did that happen? Ebby 
brought the material to Bill. He brought the um, options. He said, choose your own conception. He didn't say, Bill, you got to believe the way I believe. You got to eat my same food plan. You got to do the way I do it. You have to go to the same meetings I go to. Didn't say that. He let Bill have his own experience with it. Bill called him in to give his fifth step to him when my friend visited me. I acquainted him with all the stuff. So what am I doing for my own spiritual enlargement so that I can be available to get the grace that is given so that I could take my willingness because the grace and the willingness, that combination throws me into action. That's where my faith is. My faith comes in when I actually practice. And I'll know because I will be doing the work, and that's action, action, action. This whole paragraph, in my opinion, speaks of action because faith without action is just the fantasy. And we're standing there in the muck and the mire again without the whole idea of as he worked with me, I work with others, becoming from self-centeredness on page 62 to other-centeredness in action. And I won't be able to do that by just reading and talking on the line and, you know, pontificating and everything. I have to actually go live the spiritual life, have the experience, and then pass it on to somebody else so that they in turn could do the same. It's actually, when you think about a bill being a salesman, it's quite a marketing strategy. And it's just a wonderful thing. I'm just so grateful. I'm so grateful for this program and for the relationship that I have established with just the whole way of living the spiritual life. It's wonderful. Thanks so much for letting me share. With that, I pass. Thank you, Chelsea H. Amy E. Hi, Melanie. It's Amy. Can you hear me? I can. Good morning, Amy. Good morning, Melanie. Good morning, everybody. Amy Amy E. in... uh, Rural Ohio, grateful, recovering, compulsive overeater. Um, particularly was it imperative to work with others as he had worked with me. Uh, I don't know about you, but um, sometimes and certainly through the years in recovery, that phrase really scared me because I love being a beginner. I love the. You know, I, I love how you all help me. <laughs> um, but, I don't want to have to help you. Uh, I love being on the phone for hours with you talking to me about my problems and helping me. Um, but when I think of having to set aside time to listen to you, I, I don't have the time. I'm too busy. Um, I love being somebody's sponsee. Uh, I feel burdened by being somebody's sponsor. And many, many times I've sabotaged myself and my recovery and has picked up in order to avoid um, being a mature, full-fledged member of this program and um, passing it on to others because I love to be in that part of the, um, what we read on page uh, 164, uh, you cannot transmit something that you don't have. I used that as an excuse for many years to not um, be a sponsor and step up and um, uh, help my fellows because uh, I didn't want to hear and, and and part of that is my misconception of what it means to be a sponsor. I thought of this and poor sponsoring of me where people have, you know, it's turned into therapy sessions and life coaching instead of just, you know, my best sponsors, and I've had several over the years, my best sponsors are the ones who say to me, 
Amy, go back to the book. What does the book tell you to do? Amy, go into prayer. What's your higher power telling you to do? Rather than offering me advice and being a life coach, that is a burden. That does start to feel like a burden. But if I'm just sharing joyfully the message that I see in this book and that I get from developing a relationship with my higher power, that is a message that I um, love to give away and love to talk about freely um, um, rather than feeling like I have to go get a degree in social work uh, to be a sponsor. Um, uh, it, I, I'm grateful for Overeaters Anonymous and for the good sponsors I have had and for the sponsees that I have had because it does work. Um, working with others does keep me away from the food a day at a time. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Amy E. Renata G. Thank you, Melanie, for your service. Uh, good morning, everyone. This is Renata G., Recovered Compulsive Overeater, calling from Istanbul today. Uh, I want to talk about perfect and enlarge his spiritual life through work and self-sacrifice for others. Uh, you know, the big book keeps repeating, you know, itself, saying that we need to be other-centered. Um, you know, right across the page, on page 14, we read that, you know, to establish and maintain the new order of things, right? Like, you know, this program is simple but not easy. It meant destruction of self-centeredness. And so, you know, if I really believe the book, what the book says, that, you know, like on page 62 says my the root of my troubles are selfishness and self-centeredness. And I believe that because if I had a weight problem, the diets that I went on would have worked, but they didn't. So when I took the steps and could change from, you know, being selfish and self-centered into being other-centered, then that's when I could get recovery. And, um, you know, it keeps saying, like, on, um, on there is a solution that says that as, you know, ex-problem drinkers, our very lives depend on a, th- a constant thought of others. You know, it says on page 77 that our purpose in life is to fit ourselves to be of maximum service to God and those about us. And so, you know, of course, I didn't come into this program with this idea that, oh, I'm going to recover and then pass it on and think about others. I didn't care for anybody else. The only person I could think about was myself. But because of the work of all 12 steps, you know, God has changing, changed me into a person that is capable today of thinking of someone else and, you know, trying to be helpful to other people today is, like it says in working with others, the, the bright spot of my life because if, I'm, if I stay only within myself, only being self-centeredness, then I get in trouble. I, it doesn't feel good. It feels, you know, and I, and I start to get blocked from my higher power. So if I just keep trying to, like, pray and meditate to establish that conscious contact with God, I particularly cannot do that, you know, just by praying and meditating. I need to be carrying the message, working with other people, having that spiritual experience through their experience, you know, and it's so gratifying to watch people recover and uh, the, the the relationships that are born from it. And so, you know, but I couldn't do this before. You know, I had to work all the 12 steps first 
And now, you know, step 12 uh, really teaches me that I need to keep on carrying the message no matter what's going on in my life. My life gets too big for programs, then I get in trouble. With that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Renata G. Next up is uh, Leah M. It looks like we might have time for one or maybe two left on the list. My apologies, please. The time's running out. Good morning, Leah. Hey, good morning. Thank you so much. Um, particularly, was it imperative to work with others as he, as he had worked with me? Um, you know, certainly living in these steps, you know, steps 10 and 11, um, you know, continue the process of examination and the process of uh, developing and strengthening that relationship with a power greater than myself. But, uh, you know, those those steps, you know, step 10 and 11, you know, it, it certainly allows me to continue to grow. Um, but when I look back, which is necessity, obviously, but when I look back over the 28 years of working with other people, I know that I have grown far more from carrying this message and from working one-on-one with people uh, than even, you know, in those individual steps uh, because the more that I give what has been so freely given uh, to me, the more I am blessed by God growing in my life, the more I feel his power uh you know, infiltrating into every area of my life. And and those that I've worked with over the years and continue to work with the new people, you know, they're not medals to wear or objects to be possessed or counted. Uh, You know, um, the beauty is that I get a front row seat to watch them have their own unique spiritual experience as a result of these steps not an experience that's identical to mine. Uh, Certainly it results in a spiritual awakening, a personality change, but I get to watch a power greater uh, than myself, than themselves, transform them, and I get a front row seat to that. And over the years, just like any skill, just like anything, you know, you take on and you just kind of get more comfortable with it over the time, you know, the ability uh, to grow into a world where I'm able to stay detached in order to stay objective while my care for them and my love for them grows more deeper. And my, uh, my awareness and my desire for their personal and spiritual welfare grows stronger. You know, and certainly that ability to care for someone deeply, to want them to uh, apply these steps in the way that they're directed so that their lives will be transformed, um, you know, trickles down into my parenting because it's the same type of experience, right? Guiding children, seeing them as a gift, um, not seeing them as something that I own, and, and kind of shepherding them through life's experience so that God... God uh, can have his way with them. Uh, it's just a beautiful thing to experience. And what an honor, what a privilege, what a responsibility and obligation, but such a pleasure. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah. And we are out of time. 
Karen L., Jody E., Paula D., and Sue G. for this hour. But this meeting continues very strong after a brief invitation to our fellowship and, and newcomers. So um, we will put you right on the list to continue in your sharing. So if you would, please just stay put, and we'll get to you in that order when we start our next meeting. So thank you to everyone that shared today. And as I was saying, please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the Big Book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. Nicole S., would you please read our, um, a vision for you? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Hi, this is Nicole S. Um, just one minute, please. <laughs> Thank you. Um, this is Nicole S. I'm a recovered compulsive reader from Colorado. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning, morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.